New Vision is a church that places high value on Scripture. The Bible is made up of 66 books, and in this next portion, we're going to be going through a few of those books as a church family. We hope this tool encourages you and equips you to lead your life well. Thank you for joining us today. It is another New Vision podcast. Cloud with you here. And I think this is the one I'm recording today is actually probably the last one I'm doing this year in the, in the Advent one. We've got more, of course. But if you're listening to this today when it comes out, I think it's three days until Christmas. So it's pretty cool. I, I've really enjoyed doing these. And I thank you all again for listening to these and allowing me an opportunity to read, to study, to teach, and to, to participate with you guys. So um, thank you for doing that. And like we said, it's three days till Christmas. And if you haven't followed the book, it's not too late. You can, I'm sure you can get a Kindle version or pick one up at the church or something. I'd recommend that. You can always, you know, maybe next year or, or just play catch up. You got a little time off work. You can check that book out. I, it was really good. And so, but they, these podcasts are supplemental to that. And just to, as a reminder, you don't have to read the book, but uh, the thesis of the book is that, you know, we, we cease to be amazed every year at Christmas because it's procedural, it's familiar. And so we need to be reminded of why why Jesus's birth is so miraculous, why it's important. And so the book and these podcasts have looked at, there's those Christmas texts, but there's also uh, some other texts that are maybe not as the conventional ones that we think of when we hear the word Advent. And the, really the point of that is to look at the full picture of Jesus, not merely keeping him in the manger, but looking at the names of Jesus and how he describes himself, how others describe him and his attributes so that we can be captivated again with that awe and that joy in this Christmas season. Today, we are looking at one of those traditional Christmas texts, but I hope some of the points that we draw out uh, kind of rekindle that for you and look at it in a more fuller way. So today we're reading in Matthew chapter 1. I'm starting verse 18 and going through 25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel and the Lord commanded. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. I know we've heard this text over and over, and we've probably heard it in the past few weeks for the actual sermons. Uh, but again, you know, the one I'm really focusing on is verse 23. All this took place, this is verse 22, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. And this is a quote from the uh, Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, where it says there, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a son. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. And so I know we've heard it before, but I think it tells us, you know, that Emmanuel is a transliteration of a Hebrew word from the Old Testament. We, got, we saw that in Isaiah. 
What does that mean? Well, Matthew tells us, parentheses, Emmanuel, which means God with us. And we've heard that over and over again. But I think this is the, you know, where it's at. We've lost joy in Advent because we have forgotten what it means for God to be with us. Emmanuel, God with us. Well, what does that mean? And so take the concept. I'm using my hands to talk again. This is hard to do. (laughs) You know, take the concept of God with us. What does that mean? All right, let's take it all the way back. God is God. He created the world, spoke it into existence, and all of a sudden, you know, things existed. He's holy. He's righteous. He's just. He's so other than the uncreated, and we are the created. We cannot access him because we sinned. One sin was enough. We are born into sin because we're of the seed of Adam. That's our default setting, and so we cannot, how can we be with God? That's one of the biggest themes throughout the whole Bible. And so when we think about God with us, we we need to think about what God's presence up to this point has meant throughout the Bible. So let's, let's do just a quick survey. In the Old Testament, as close as we've seen to God's presence, I mean, we saw God, He was present via the pillar of fire and cloud and Exodus, if you participated in the Exodus series. These are called theophanies. You know, we saw this burning bush and we see this pill of fire and the, you know, the cloud that led the people through the Exodus. And, you know, okay, that's kind of God's presence. I mean, God is showing up in these big manifestations of his power and, you know, this burning fire. But we can't really kind of go up to that. You know what I mean? There's, There's still kind of a, you know, you don't go up and touch a pillar of fire. There's still this otherness. We, we can't access God. He's dangerous. We would burn up. And so uh, we see this again in the Old Testament as we continue our survey. You know, we have the tabernacle and the, the temple and this holy of holies, the most holy place. You know, I mean, a high priest could only go in there once a year and make atonement for his own sins. Um, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure if it's true, but there, there's a legend in Judaism that talks about how the high priest would have to have a rope tied around him and bells and the bells is in the, the text, but the rope isn't, but it's just, it's an interesting tradition that conveys this idea that to go in God's presence is dangerous and you could die and they'd have to tug on the rope to pull the body out. You know what I mean? That's, that's kind of gloomy, but it's like, wow, that's as close as the people in the old Testament could get to the idea of God's presence. So it's kind of coming into God's presence, but there's still this otherness. And I say kind of, because by the end of the Old Testament, as we continue our survey, God had pretty much withdrawn from his people due to their sin. You know, the temple had been destroyed by Babylon in uh, 576 BC. And now, you know, up to the Christmas story, there's been 400 years of silence this intertestamental time between the Old Testament and the New Testament. So, you know, God's absent. There's, there's, he's not fully absent because he's omnipresent, but I'm saying he's withdrawn that presence when we're thinking about God with us, and there's been this 400 years of silence. And so when it comes to Advent and the fact that we've lost our joy, we can have joy. We need to refocus. We need to be reminded because Advent means, number one in our point, is that God was with us in history. We can have joy in Advent because God was with us in history. And I underline that, in history. And this is a big deal because, you know, we have the manger and we sing all the songs, but 
that was a point in time when God, the second person of the Trinity, came to be with us at a point in time in a historical event. And this is awesome because what we have is a historical problem. And what is that problem? Well, it goes all the way back to Genesis 3. Eat of this fruit and you will die. And so when we think about Advent and the fact that God was with us in history, we can think about how Jesus was born in this lowly, stinky manger. And he, then he grew up and he walked among us. He laughed. He cried. You know, he, he slipped and fell. He was angry. He was tired, holy, holy angry. He was happy. He, he went through all the things that we did as human beings in a historical real world setting. He was tempted in every way we were, yet without sin. And he was tempted, even tested unto the point of death. The most pervasive, biggest problem that we all as humans have. And so God with us in history means that God is with us in our biggest historical problem. And we can have joy because God, Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, is with us and he paid the price and the penalty of sin on the cross on our behalf, a real event in history. And so Advent means that we can focus on that, that God came to be with us in that Christmas story. Number two, when we think about that, the fact that, you know, Christmas is Jesus here with us in history, well, also because of his ministry here on earth, number two, we can have joy in Advent because God is with us inside of us. God is with us inside of us which is kind of weird to think about. God is inside of us. But if you're a Christian and you have repented and put your faith and trust, all your eggs in the basket of Jesus, what he did for us on the cross, then God is with you. The third person, the Trinity, the Holy Spirit is inside of you. You have been sealed. And I love how Jesus at the end of his ministry, he defeats death. He rises from the grave and he's about to ascend. And he gives the, the, his disciples, the church, his great commission, you know, go therefore unto the nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey all I have commanded you. And behold, behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. We saw it today in Matthew 1 and again at the end of Matthew in chapter 28, verse 20. Behold. I'm with you always to the end of the age. And so we are now, as we are continuing our survey of God's presence with us, we are now in the age of the church where we're under the Great Commission. It's about disciple making. It's about church building. And, you know, God, who is living inside of us, God's presence, we are the tabernacle, has empowered us in the Great Commission to make disciples, to do all these things because he is with us, empowering us. I think it's kind of weird to think about, you know, God is inside of you if you're a Christian today listening to this. And that's sobering to think of when it comes to to walking in godliness, you know, because it's like what you see, he sees, where you go, he goes, what you touch, he, you know, that's that should sober us. That's really practical when it comes to walking a life of faith and godliness. God is living in us. God's presence is with us inside of us. But as, as sobering as it is, it should also empower and encourage us because we have the third person of the Trinity inside of us, you know, interceding for us and sealing us for the day of ultimate redemption. Uh, we have that empowerment and, and encouragement. And then number three, as we close, I think it's practical because as we, we, we complete our survey of God's presence with us throughout the Bible, we look forward because we can have joy in Advent because God was with us in history. God is now inside of us. But 
God will eventually be with us physically in the fullness of his presence throughout eternity. A lot of us might forget that when it comes to, you know, the conclusion of world events in history. There will be an eschatological, you know, end times presence of God with us when he recreates the new heavens and the new earth and he will walk among us. We will be without sin and without the ability to sin, but with the fullness of a way to enjoy God fully because we will have new resurrection, glorified bodies to be able to withstand God's presence. You know, that holy fire, the pillar fire that you burn up if you touch, well, we'll be able to access God and walk with him as we were fully intended to throughout eternity. In Revelation 21 through 22 talks about that, that we will be with God physically. It will be a physical thing and it will be in the fullness. And so we, while we have a, an already, there's a not yet that we have yet to look forward to when it comes to the Advent season. And so um, I hope this survey of God's presence with his people and what we have to look forward to has rekindled your joy and your excitement during this Advent season as we don't keep Jesus merely in the manger, but to look forward to him in his presence. I hope that encourages you and I hope you have a great Christmas. Y'all have a good time and we'll see you tomorrow. Thank you so much for joining us today. We'll see you tomorrow as we hop back into God's Word.